Hello, Les Raymond here with the Mindful Movement. Whether you are about to enjoy one of Sarah's beautiful meditations or dive into a podcast interview, I would like to remind our community that the best way to support the Mindful Movement is to support the companies that make this happen. Sarah and I are very picky about the companies we choose to work with, and we are grateful to have the relationships we have and to share them with our listeners. You can learn more about our affiliates through our website by clicking on the Favorites tab. We are excited to have recently added Sunlighten as an affiliate. They make state-of-the-art infrared saunas, and their founder, Connie, came on for a recent interview if you would like to listen. Our Sunlighten sauna has been a family favorite for over a decade. Some of our most popular affiliates are the grounding mats from Ultimate Longevity, which we sleep on every night, and the Apollo Neuro, which Sarah is now wearing daily to help manage stress. When you support these brands, you in turn are supporting the mindful movement and helping Sarah and I continue to devote our time to this passion. Whether you check out these companies or not, I just want to say thanks again and reiterate how grateful Sarah and I both are for all of the support over the years. I hope you enjoy the episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, listeners. This is Les Raymond with the Mindful Movement Podcast, where we facilitate an environment to empower growth among a community of like-minded individuals who strive to live mindfully in all aspects of their lives. Today, join Sarah as she first shares a personal learning opportunity she experienced, then a great interview with our guest, Chantel Lopez from Skillful Teaching. This episode has some advice you can use to build a fulfilling career starting today. Stay tuned until the end for the bonus section. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, share, and subscribe to the show. Interviews are published every Wednesday, and meditations are published on YouTube every Monday. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. It's Sarah Raymond here. Before I jump into the interview for this episode, I wanted to share a quick story with you about a lesson I have recently learned. First, I will tell you that I am a believer that everything happens for a reason. People and experiences are presented to you to learn if you are just willing to get curious. I will circle back to this point by the end of the story. Don't worry. This is a story about how this podcast came to be. I first had this idea for the podcast at some point in 2015, but I really got serious back in January of 2016. I did my research and started working on the project and had planned for an August launch. That day passes by, and I had only made some small progress towards the launch. I was procrastinating like it was my job. My husband kept pushing me and encouraging me, but in my heart, I knew I was scared to put myself out there. I was scared I wasn't going to be good enough, that people weren't going to listen, or they were going to judge me. And I was definitely scared I wasn't going to be able to handle the technical aspects of the project. So I just kept putting it off. Eventually, I took the baby steps to get it up and running. Finally, I had a number of interviews recorded, I had the website up and running, and I published my first episode to iTunes. This was such an exciting time, and looking back, I can't believe I put it off for so long. After I had the first three interviews published, I began editing this episode and realized I had some serious technical issues with the recording. Up until now, everything had gone smoothly. 
I just about had a full-out panic attack in my son's jujitsu practice when I heard the recording and the loud buzzing sounds coming every second. I closed the computer and didn't open it up for five days. Every time I thought about it, I felt nauseous and I couldn't breathe. It took me those five days to see that this is my pattern. I get scared and I shut down. I don't deal with whatever it is I'm scared about. If I don't acknowledge it, maybe it will go away. I'll eat, watch TV, cook, exercise, and even do laundry so they don't have to face whatever it is that scares me. Anyhow, once I sat down and really focused my attention on the task, I gave up the need for this episode to be perfect. I was able to get through it. And more importantly, I made peace with putting something out there that wasn't perfect, something that put me in a vulnerable place and forced me to let go of control of the situation. This experience was a learning opportunity for me. I know when I find myself shutting down or procrastinating, it's a red flag for me to dig deeper into what's really going on. As I said before, everything happens for a reason. This editing challenge pushed me out of my comfort zone so that I could learn and grow. It challenged me to get curious about my fear of not being good enough and not being perfect. And I hope that me sharing this experience with you can help you to learn to recognize your patterns as it did for me so that you can take the opportunities presented to you to grow. During the interview, Chantel talks about the question of what kind of teacher do you want to be and how using it for new instructors helps them to build a sense of confidence even when they're brand new, they're not experts, and their knowledge isn't that great. For me, in this situation, I really needed to hear that. I know that I wanted to build connections and relationships. I want to share valuable information and grow the movement of mindfulness with this podcast. And just knowing that, it gives me the confidence to be vulnerable and get this episode out there, even though on the technical side, it's nowhere near perfect. Thank you so much for listening and supporting. Share this episode with anyone you think can benefit from it. That being said, please be patient as you listen to the show, knowing that there were some recording issues that had to be addressed. I will do my best to fill you in on the parts of the interview that had to be cut out. Thank you for listening. I am very grateful for all of your support. And without further ado, I'm glad to welcome Chantil Lopez from Skillful Teaching to the podcast today. If you don't know Chantil, you will want to connect with her after you hear this interview. Chantil is one of my valued mentors and has been for about the last two years. She is a 20-year veteran teacher, a coach, mentor, master teacher, teacher trainer, and author of the book, Moving Beyond Technique, How to Nurture Your Passion, Master Your Craft, and Create a Thriving Pilates Business. Chantil is a balanced body faculty member and the founder of Skillful Teaching, an international online resource for Pilates instructors. Beyond her impressive list of credentials, I want to share with you her personal teaching philosophy. It is, be real, don't be fake, be able to say I don't know, laugh at myself, extend compassion to myself and my students, enter in fully every time, ready or not. Uh, as a journalist, which, um, you know, at some point I thought, mm, I, I probably would never write again, and if that, if I didn't write again, it would be, you know really quite a pleasant life for me. So when I, when I left journalism, I I really, you know, I was distraught. I was really, um, just 
disappointed. Um, I thought, you know, for my whole life, that's what I was going to do professionally. And, and when it turned out to not, not really be fulfilling, um, you know, it was, it was hard. It was, I mourned that loss and I really thought I would never come back to it. So I, I, um, planned, you know, just kind of floundered about for a little bit and lived in Hawaii for a little bit and, uh, started re, uh, you know, kind of rekindling my love for movement and dancing and, and then I was dancing a lot and I danced semi-professionally for a while, uh, and came back to Pilates. I was originally introduced to Pilates, uh, in college, um, by a very sweet, very strict Chinese ballet teacher who never told us what we were doing. She just told us to come in, lie down on the floor, lift our legs and pump our arms. <laughs> and, you know, she gave us kind of this, um, very, very curt, very mysterious, um, you know, sense of like, we were doing something that this German man used to do and it's good for us and we won't start at the bar anymore, that this is what we're going to do every time. And, and that was pretty much it, you know, and then it was just like dictatorship after that. Like, this is, this is what you do, do it. You don't need to know what it's called. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even think I knew it was Pilates until, you know, years and years later. So I, I came back around to it, started to do it more, um, kind of in the late nineties. And I realized like, this is something I could actually do. I, I'm in fact had a friend who was, um, leaving her teaching career and pursuing yoga. And I thought, well, I already law, lo- I've already left my journalism career. Maybe I should pursue Pilates. So I studied with physical mind Institute and, um, I got certified in Yamana body rolling. That was kind of my, my first two steps in the direction of becoming a, a movement professional. And I had taught dance um, and other things in high school, so it was not really um, new to me in terms of teaching, but I really never wanted to be a teacher. Um, you know, never felt like teaching was a calling or was very interesting to me. Um, so that it was just all kind of interesting the way it came together. When I started teaching Pilates, one of the things that was obvious to me in terms of just watching myself uh, in relationship with my students and then also with my cohort of teachers that were, you know, learning and and practicing and teaching together. Um, Something I just, I think, recognized, maybe not even consciously, but, you know, of course, on reflection, everything feels like, oh, yeah, I had this giant insight, which probably was not true. But I do recall having kind of this sense of, like, this feels really easy, this is very easy and very natural and very intuitive. And um, although I, you know, studied hard and I, you know, planned and I programmed, I found that mostly what I did was I showed up and I listened and I taught and, and it just came It always came and always just flowed. And it always was pretty remarkable. The results, you know, that I, that kind of were happening for the students. And, you know, I didn't have any lofty intentions at that time, as to what I was trying to get from them. I was just with them, you know, and kind of in it. Um, and that just, that just never changed that, that only just deepened and grew. And I had some really great opportunities early on. Um, when I did my second teacher training, which is a full apparatus training, I worked with Carol LaPel in uh, Mill Valley, California, which is here in the Bay area. And um, her program, Body Kinetics, 
Carol's Carol comes from the um, Romano lineage, and so our program was very classical. And since I had been teaching already, and I had done all the mat work, and I had already been doing some, you know, some um, some things, she invited me to teach for her uh, very early on in our year long program. And uh, I will tell you that I definitely did not feel ready for that. Mm-hmm. It was such a it was such a leap in terms of my teaching because the the way the studio was arranged was um, we had six wall units six chairs, six reformers, and um, I, I can't remember if we had six spine correctors. I, I want to say that we did, but it, that was that was the class situation. It was, you know, you taught six people at a time and you moved them from one piece of equipment to another. It wasn't just, you know, it was not just ever a reformer class or very rarely. So, you know, being thrown into that, you know, it, with and Carol, Carol, one of the exceptional things about her um, was that she always held us to a very, very, very high expectation, uh, no matter where we were in our kind of in our path and in our process, which was um, kind of gut wrenchingly frightening all the time. But also, you know, I always feel like I wouldn't be the kind of teacher I am now if I had not had that early on. So, you know, I I think that it just, it was just so deep and so rich and kind of intense from the beginning for me. And and having left a career, I felt, you know, as I said before, really felt quite saddened about leaving, even though I knew it was the right thing. Um, I, I really kind of gravitated toward this idea that, oh my God, teaching is my thing. Like, this is what I'm meant to do. Okay, I'm not meant to do this other thing, you know, but I'm meant to do this. And, um, you know, it just got better. It just got better and kept getting better and kept getting better and just was just so great uh, for a long time. And, you know, continuing education and workshops and, you know, learning about the Franklin Method and, you know, Feldenkrais and yoga and all the things that I was able to bring to my teaching over the years. Um, I owned a small studio for a while, and then I expanded into a large studio with a business partner. Unfortunately, during one of the very rich sections of the interview that had to be cut out of the recording, Chantil talks about the power of being curious with yourself and inquiring within mindfully. She uses this process to really get to know herself and discover what's at the root of what is going on. This mindful practice, along with meditation, helped Chantil transition from studio owner to developing her her company, Skillful Teaching. What she discovered was she really was meant to be a teacher, but she needed to evolve her teaching to align with the person she was evolving into. At this point in her transitioning career, Chantil wrote her book. She realized she wasn't going to be a studio owner because she couldn't be a studio owner and a mentor, a coach, and a writer again. She says the moment she decided this is the direction she needed to go, everything changed. And um, that was kind of the beginning of a, a big transition for me, and that's what I write a lot about in the book, um, just how wonderful it was for a long time. Um, and then the more complex um, the business got and the more complex the business relationship got and the more I wanted for myself, which I, I don't think I you know, was really clearly identifying um, early on, but I knew something was, something was not quite right. Um, 
uh, it, it just got, it then all of a sudden kind of hit a turning point where I stopped enjoying my teaching as much. I was hesitant to kind of go into the studio. I felt overwhelmed by the obligations. I felt overwhelmed by the responsibility. It was very difficult. I had a small child at the time. My son was eight months old when I opened my second studio. Wow. Uh, and, and he really grew up, you know, as the studio grew up. So, you know, and that's intense. I mean, parenting for me, and I talk about this in the book a little bit, uh, but nothing, nothing in my life, and I'm sure you know this is true for a lot of parents, has been as intense as being a parent. I mean, teaching is the only thing I think that has been as intense and has taught me as much in terms of who I am and who I want to be. And those things were really shifting and and you know evolving at the same time, which just added, you know, just added more fuel to this kind of big transition that was was coming. And I think I just got to a point where I really hated teaching and I started to feel really afraid of that um, because I felt like, oh no, here I go into the same scenario as uh, before with journalism. And I thought this is my thing and it's turning out to not be my thing. What's wrong with me? What, you know, what am I now what am I going to do? Like, this can't, this can't really be true. This can't really be happening. So, you know, lots of fear, lots of panic, lots of like reaching, just, you know, grasping and a lot of different things to try to fix what felt wrong. And then, you know, I think when you're in that moment, you are not as mindful, you know, you're driven by the not, the not knowing is scary. And then you're afraid of, you know, what have I, you know, what kinds of mistakes have led me here and have I ever been on the right track? And, you know, I can't, I don't even enjoy my teaching and, you know, I don't even want to show up anymore. And, you know, it's, it's hard, I think, to be very thoughtful, but luckily I, you know, I had some things that kind of anchored me. And one of them was I was working with an authentic movement teacher at the time. And, um, that's a modality that's, very, very interesting. Uh, I had never done any talk therapy um, uh, at that point in my life, but movement, you know, as I said before, I felt like moving was the way I experienced myself. It was the way I knew myself. It was the way I could really tap into what was going on from for me, you know, emotionally and psychologically. And authentic movement really is that it's you know um, you go into you work with a practitioner you go into a a quiet safe space um, and you essentially are invited by the practitioner who is the objective observer which I always think is you know I had I had had a meditation practice on and off for at this point probably 15 years and that idea of the objective observer was not new to me Um, and so it was interesting that, that in this work, it's then taken out of you, you know, and it's it's offered as a, an outer witness. Um, and so here's the here's your witness, here's the practitioner, and you're in a ro- in a room, and you're invited to move, and and you can move or not move, hmm. and you're just you know, and there's a time period, there's a set time period that you agree upon. It's usually a very short time period to begin with, you know, ten minutes or so. And you're, it's quiet and you're just invited to move. And then you do or you don't and you move how you move. And your goal is to track your movements objectively, right? To just 
allow yourself to be in the experience with, you know, without judgment, without the story. But what happens is that really the movement ends up being driven by, you know, your emotional state, your psychological state. And there is a story. I mean, there's just, there's always a story, whether it's, you know, a helpful story or an unhelpful story, if it's a true story or it's a made up story, it's like, there's always a story, right? That we're kind of being from. And so this was, this expression of being was just movement, which was like, so it just made so much sense to me. So, you know, after you move, then you sit and the witness asks if, you know, then you share what the experience was like for you. And then they offer witnessing. So they say, I saw you move, you know, I saw you take a step. And my experience of that was this. I saw you, you know, come to the ground and pause. I saw you, you know, weeping. I saw you, you know, close your eyes, you know, and then they're sharing with you what their, what their experience of that is. Anyway, it's really awesome. It's <laughs> so super awesome. And it was kind of, uh, I think it was really the thing that, that gave me the clarity to start to do some of the work that I really needed to do at that point in my teaching and in my life to, to get clear about. One, I, I didn't want to be a studio owner anymore. I had been really good at it. I had had two successful studios um, at that point. I had developed the mentoring program. I had developed a mentoring program for our studio. Um, we started offering the um, Ellie Herman uh, teacher training uh, early on, and then we we moved over to Balanced Body when um, EHS moved to the Balanced Body program after Ellie sold the studio in San Francisco. And um, my business partner, Kristen Eupenlotz, and I, uh, we had been doing that for a few years and that's when I had noticed that there was really kind of a, a large gap, um, in terms of what I had gotten in my teacher training and what the teachers were able to receive from us in the modular format of teacher training. Um, you know, so it just became, I was struggling with my own identity. And so I think that was very much the kind of top of my attention, and um, I, so much of my uh, identity had been kind of developed by um, this thoughtfulness around who I wanted to be as a teacher and a professional, which had come from, you know, my, my teacher training environment. So um, I had developed the mentoring program for our trainees, and I had been uh, doing a lot of writing, article writing, and um, kind of moving in the direction, feeling really compelled uh, within my teaching that just showing up for my clients, you know, every day, although I loved them uh, and I, you know, I loved them. I had really fantastic relationships with them. Many of them I had been teaching for 10 or 12 years, but it is just not satisfying um, anymore. And and that's, I think, a hard thing to contend with. It's, it is very frightening um, to start to feel like you don't love the thing that you thought you loved. And um, so, you know, that, that, that process for me was just a lot of inquiry. Honestly, it was a lot of meditation. It was a lot of time at, uh, there's a meditation center in the Bay Area called uh, Spirit Rock, which is in Fairfax, California. 
you know, spending a lot of time there investigating, investigating, asking a lot of questions of other professionals, um, you know, looking at the situation from as many different angles as possible. During another section of the recording that I had to take out, we were talking about the beneficial focus of one's purpose as part of the Skillful Teaching Mentor Program and the 28-day online program. We also discussed Chantil's inspiration from Parker Palmer's book, The Courage to Teach. Then we came back in discussing another of his books here. And he has another book called uh, A Hidden Wholeness, The Journey Toward an Undivided Life. And reading those two books, I think, really helped me put together this idea of if I wanted to find lasting fulfillment in my work, uh, in my vocation, the thing I was really choosing to dedicate myself to in terms of service and you know, knowledge and education for what I imagine could be my whole life, um, I was going to have to really get lined up with what was driving me personally. And it just, you know, these things just like kind of happen. I mean, the way I develop ideas or, you know, the way I develop curriculum is a little bit chaotic. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am more, I'm more of a strategist than a tactician. So I'm like kind of, I'm like big picture and then go, like I have an idea and then I just go. And then, you know, people around me are like, well, how are you going to, you know, how are you going to do that? Like what, what's the first step? Like, what are you going to, I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to do it. Like I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to write a book. I'm just going to open a studio. I'm just going to create this online educational platform. I don't know. I just want to do it. I'm going to do it. And it's kind of what happened with the 28 day course. It's like, I, I, I think this is going to be compelling. I'm feeling compelled. I think that there's a need for this. Here's the idea, right? It's about purpose. It's about identifying, you know, who we are personally. And then, and then how are we going to bring that to the table in our teaching consistently? And, you know, I posed the question in the book, um, you know, what kind of teacher do you want to be? And that was a question actually that, um, Nora St. John, who is the educational director of Balanced Body, posed to us, um, to those of us in the teacher training, the faculty training at some point. And I think that was also another piece, the seed that was planted. It was like, holy cow, what? I have never, how, why am I pondering this question right. right now after, you know, after I've been teaching movement for more than a decade, I've been teaching Pilates for close to a decade why am I just thinking about this? It's just, it's crazy, you know? And so it's like driven from that question, driven by this idea of, I think that success comes when we are totally in alignment. And of course, you know, complete balance and total alignment is, you know, it's a, it's an oscillating thing. It's not a static fixed point, but you know, we can kind of be orbiting around this sense of fulfillment or, you know, orbiting is not really the right word, but, you know, kind of weaving in and out of it, I think, uh, in a really powerful way. But but we have to really be clear about what we're about. And so, you know, the work we do in the 28-day course is, like, let's just get clear. Like, one, what are your expectations of yourself and are they realistic? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and do you even, are you even clear about what your expectations are? Because I think a lot of times we are driven by expectations that were given to us 
um, a long time ago or we're driven by expectations that some, you know, we've had of ourselves in the past but no longer apply. So that's a part of the kind of initial process. Um, and then and then we do start to really look at, you know, why do you show up? Why do you teach? Not what you teach because as a profession I'd say, and this is not, you know, this is certainly not um, just indicative of, you know, Pilates professionals, um, but of most professionals, we're very caught up in the what of what we do. And the what is awesome. I mean, there's something, of course, you know, to speak to Pilates specifically, that's so, uh, you know, intriguing about it. And, and it's just like the layers just keep, you know, just can go deeper and deeper and deeper. And movement in the body, of course, you know, that's like, that's why. So that's exciting. That's the what. You know, and then there's the how. There's like, okay, through what technical modality, you know, or approach do I achieve these outcomes, whatever outcomes, you know, we're looking for. And and we're very, very focused on that. You know, all of our continuing education is about that. You know, it's like what we're talking about, what we're writing about, what we're hearing about all the time. And it's like, well, that honestly is just only going to get you so far. I mean, it just doesn't hold enough power Um I interviewed Amy Taylor Alpers, you know, one of the founders of the Pilates Center in Boulder some years ago. And, um, you know, she was talking about this idea of the bucket and putting putting knowledge into the bucket. You know, like at some point your bucket is full and you put more stuff in and it doesn't stay in the bucket. It just <laughs> bounces off, you know, like like a you know, like pouring water into a bucket, just like the water just flowing out and down you know, out and down, out and down. So what are you actually retaining? So at some point, I feel like our ability to be successful based on our technique and our skill, the what and the how of what we do is incredibly limited. Um, you know, you and I and others who've been teaching, you know, for some time, I feel like we're on an equal playing field. We have different approaches. We have unique offerings. But in terms of like how much more skill is going to make me better. It's like there's really, I feel like there's really no amount of technical skill that's going to make me, you know, better at what I do or more successful or more fulfilled, I think is really the, you know, the ultimate thing. So if not that, then this other piece, which is the why. It's like, why do we show up? Why are we driven? What are we, what are we really trying to achieve? Is it for something for ourselves? Is it something for our students? What is that thing exactly? You know, what are we dedicated to? What makes us stand at the foot of the reformer or sit at the side of the mat when we have a headache, when we just got some bad news, when our cat is in the hospital, you know, our kid is sick at home, you know, you know, whatever it is, we just got into a fender bender, you know, all the things that distract us and, and make us feel like we need to be somewhere else, whether that's physically or attentionally. Um, what brings us back to this? Uh, you know, what's our drive? So, you know, we look at that, we look at the why, and then and then we look at intention. You know, how do we want to interact with our motivation? How do we want to hold it and be with it? You know, it's it with, with softness, with kindness, with compassion, with diligence. Um, you know, that's another piece of it. And then, um, you know, then we put it together in, in, in a kind of powerful uh, this seems so self-helpy and wish-washy, but, you know, we, we put it together in a statement and, and then we just look at, like, how do you use it? Like, how do you, how do you, 
how do you let this be, this awareness, this clarity about your purpose be what drives the answer to every question that you're faced with in your teaching, in your life, in your work, whether it's a marketing question, who's your audience, or should I put something, should I be engaging in social media or print media, or you know, how do I handle a client relationship, or how do I create programming? I mean, my sense of it is that your purpose drives the answer to all of those things. And that's certainly been my experience, and I don't know what your experience has been, you know, since doing the course, but um, it just makes finding the answer so much easier because I know what I'm all about. I know what my purpose is. You know, it's like with skillful teaching, like, what's my purpose? Like, why the heck am I doing what I do? It's like, well, I want to develop the whole person to be the best teacher they can be. You know, it's like I am technically pretty good, I'd say, you know, some knowledge and some things to offer. Great. That's fine. I offer those things. But I feel like what I'm really good at is, you know, building relationships and developing people. And, you know, when you develop people, then people can be, their experience of their work can be richer and fuller. And, you know, we're less likely to reach those points of, um, you know, doubt and um, crisis and overwhelm and, you know, um, burnout, for heaven's sakes. You know, we've, I think, you know, plenty of us are experiencing that to various degrees because what we do is so intimate. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely have to agree with you. I mean, I think after going through that 28-day program the first time, Um, That was, like you said, decade after I started teaching, that was the first time that anyone ever said, well, why do you want to teach or what kind of a teacher do you want to be? And I I had never even considered that after teaching for over 10 years. I know, it's crazy. (laughs) It's really crazy. And um, I think it's just a phenomenal way, like you said, to, to align how you make decisions and you have this now this this purpose that you can use when you have a moment a turning point where you need to make a big decision or make a choice that you're kind of on the fence about you can just Mm -hmm. keep going back to your purpose and um i found so much value in that and and i use that in um the mentor program at our studio as well so lots of other people are benefiting from that as well Oh, so great. Yeah. So, um, Chantal, what do you have coming down the road that you could share with us? Anything in the future? Um, Well, you know, my focus is always on the mentoring program, which is the Skillful Teaching flagship program. Um, It's a 12-month program, and, um, you know, we're always working on that and and trying to make that better. but besides that, uh, two of the really exciting things that are happening um, are I am collaborating with a colleague of mine here in the Bay Area. Her name is Ann Bishop. She is the founder of Body Brain Connect, and um, we launch a, a master's level program in February of 2017. And that program is called the Science and Psychology of Teaching. And it's uh, we're calling it a master's level program because it really goes beyond kind of your fine, your fun, uh, foundational repertoire. You know, it's not it's not um, technique centric, although of course it is all about how to better deliver and impact you know results and success in your students 
which, you know, cannot be separated from technique and technical, the technical component of what we do. Um, but our focus is on really looking at teaching from the perspective of brain science and um, uh, relationships. So that's the psychological piece. Um, and it's not just about building relationships and how we do that with our students, but also the psychology of our touch, the psychology of our language. Um, so we're, you know, we're diving in uh, into some really cool layers of uh, manual cueing and verbal cueing. Um, and then also from my own perspective, so I'm offering the psychology piece and offering the science piece, although there's a ton of really cool overlap. Um, you know, some of the things that I'm talking about um, it, what, that I'll be generating content and course material around are uh, like areas of motivation. You know, how do we how do we motivate our students? What's the difference between an intrinsic and extrinsic motivator? You know, how do we trigger those things, identify those things, assess and reassess those things in our students? Um, how do we teach from a place of awareness of a developing intrinsic motivation, which is a lot to do with our language, just a lot, a lot to do with our language and something called student-centered teaching, you know, really putting the student at the center of the experience so that they're you know, they're in charge, they're guiding, they're, they're making, you know, they're having insights rather than, you know, what so many of us end up doing, uh, which is just telling our students what they should do and what they should be experiencing and, you know, do, do this this way. Um, and of course, there's some degree of that that's really necessary when you're, you know, teaching movement, you know, training movement. But I think teaching and coaching are so much different than just instructing and I think you know perhaps that's really obvious but um, so talking about motivation um, also talking about uh, awareness so as a teacher how do we um, facilitate um, greater body awareness you know tools and techniques to do that in a more powerful way um, uh, and then and then also you know kind of looking at well what are, what about these other aspects of body image and, um, you know, the student's relationship to health and well-being and, um, you know, just their relationship to their own body. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, it's a really, really, I think it feels to me like a very cutting edge kind of program and approach to teaching and, and takes some of the things that you know, we know, uh, you know, we kind of know a little bit about, we sense that it's important, we're maybe doing a little bit of it in our teaching, and it just takes you kind of, you know, to the deepest depths of, well, what is that all about? How is that actually happening? You know, how is the brain actually responding to this kind of teaching? Like when I position myself in, you know, in this way, in the student's frame of view, you know, how does that actually trigger different parts of the brain um, you know, either for enhanced learning or, or you know, or not. Sure. Um, uh, so all of these things is just really, really, really quite cool. Um, so that's coming down the pipeline quite quickly, and we're doing um, we're doing monthly Q and A calls where teachers can get on the phone with us, and um, you know, we share a bit about the program and the details, and uh, teachers can ask questions and. That's we're not doing any kind of early bird registration, but if you're on the call, then that's the way that you can receive a, 
a tuition discount. Most of the the program is online primarily, and then you get um, you get some one-on-one coaching with Ann and I, and then there's a live event, uh, which will be in April in Sonoma County. So it'll be a four-day live event where we'll do a lot of distillation and integration of the material. And then the really exciting part about the program is that it's project-driven. So the teachers who participate will be um, working on a project of their own design throughout the coursework and will be, you know, aiding and supporting the project. So that at the end they'll do a, you know, a presentation, whether that's, it's not likely to be live because we have teachers signed up from all over the country, mm-hmm. but, you know, presentation, you know, it's presented via PowerPoint or email or, you know, virtually in some way. But the the real value in that is that they'll have a project that they can take with them and apply um, to their teaching or share with other teachers. Um, this is a very, very exciting uh, thing, and we've had some nice response so far. Um, we are only taking 10 people uh, this first time around. We want to keep the cohort small and um, and pretty intimate as we, you know, introduce the material for the first time. We definitely have some spaces left, so... Um, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. We've been talking about that for quite a long time. So it sounds like it's going to be a very rich and valuable experience for those that are participating. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. You know, just to, is this directed specifically for Pilates instructors or teachers of any movement? Yeah, so we're inviting um, teachers from yoga community, PTs. Uh, really any kind of movement modality because because the things that we're talking about um, about learning and about motivation and about you know relationship and all of these things can be applied to the way you teach anything I mean any any body based thing right because it, it definitely is about um, you know motor learning uh, you know and coaching around you know the body. Right, so so all of the intricacies of that um, relationship uh, drive the course material. So, but certainly anybody who is in the movement profession uh, in any capacity uh, would benefit. That sounds great. Sounds like it's going to be yeah. a really great project. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, um, Shanta, um, I have another question for you. Sure. Um, so between all of the wonderful information in your book and the mentor program and your experience um, as a mentor and a studio owner and all of your rich history, if you could give one piece of advice to our listeners, those people in the movement <coughs> industry, um, whether they're just starting out or they've been in the movement industry for a long time, is there one piece of advice you could offer? Um, well, I think it would just go back to this one question, which is what kind of teacher do you want to be? Sure. Um, you know, it's, I, I have heard, uh, you know, from people have been in discussion with folks, um, at different points in this journey of like, well, that question is maybe just, it's too much for a new teacher to, you know, it's too much for them. It's like, it's not really the right time. It's like they, they you know, the focus is on, uh, building the repertoire and their, you know, their base knowledge. And 
You know, honestly, I've given that a lot of consideration. And I think when I first heard that, I thought, wow, maybe that's true. Like, maybe I wouldn't have been ready to hear that when I was, you know, new to teaching. But my, my, um, my, my bottom line, I think, after some thought is like, it's kind of, kind of not true at all. That mm-hmm. it's never too soon to ask that question. And it's never too late to ask that question because it's a question that you don't, Stop asking yourself. And that's what I always tell, you know, the teachers in the mentoring program and in the 28-day course is that this is not about arriving at the answer, you know, the perfect answer that's never going to change right this second. This is just about the, you know, this is about establishing a habit of inquiry to keep asking yourself the question. And, and when you feel at a crossroads and when you feel like things are not lining up or you're feeling dissatisfied or you know, maybe you're struggling financially or maybe you're feeling like you don't have, you know, you're not attracting the right clientele or you're unhappy in a business relationship or, you know, your marketing is not successful. It's like that's the perfect time to ask the question and keep asking the question, you know, because it will it will bring you to clarity. Um, it will bring you to a thread of, of clarity that will then open up more clarity and more clarity and more clarity. And so I don't think it's ever too soon. Um, you know, we have teachers in our uh, mentoring program who literally have just begun their teacher training. And I'm one of the first things that we do, you know, as they get oriented to the program is to ask that question. It's like, you know, it's, it's not a, it's a great thing to think about in the beginning as you step into this work, because what it can do is influence your relationship to the journey, you know, how, how are you showing up? Because as we know, the teacher training process can be incredibly intense and, you know, emotional sometimes and definitely fatiguing and overwhelming, you know, (laughs) totally. So if you had one thing to help you stay anchored that you could just keep asking, like, what kind of teacher do I want to be? Like, why am I showing up? Why am I going to keep showing up? you know, am I going to choose to keep showing up and what's that driven by? Um, I think it influences how we interact with the path and with the material. And, and then, I mean, how great is it that early on when you sit with your first student or your first class, you show up, maybe you don't know the repertoire very well yet. Maybe you don't really cue very well. Maybe you're not touching your students at all, like whatever, you know, is going on, but you do show up with a sense of clarity. Like I want to be a kind, humorous, compassionate, you know, very straightforward kind of teacher. I want to keep things simple. I don't want to overwhelm them. And I am, you know, it's like, that's, that's huge, right? And it also is a huge source of confidence, um, which has nothing to do with your knowledge base, you know, and of course, as I'm sure you know, for new students, for new teachers, you know, it's really frightening at first to go in and start teaching and, you know, their confidence is absolutely directly related to um, how much they know. And of course, the the ongoing thought for them is, I don't know anything. Right. I don't know any, I don't know enough. I'm never going to know enough. I'm never going to know all that there is to know to be good at this. And I think when you teach, when you show up from a place of even a little bit of inkling, like a tiny bit of clarity around what kind of teacher you want to be, your confidence can really be buoyed by something other than your skill set, right? Your technical skill set. Um, 
And then as an experienced teacher, right, as a, you know, a a highly skilled, experienced teacher. I mean, I work with a lot of teachers who've been teaching for a long time and find themselves like, what the hell am I doing? I don't know anymore. Like, I've, I've been doing it for so long. I just don't feel clear about why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm stuck in the rat race of, you know, keeping my studio up or, you know, I'm trying to provide something that, I think people want, but I don't, but, but that's made me lose touch with what I really want to be, you know, offering. And it's, um, it can be a tremendously, um, powerful and scary question to ask. And, uh, I think I experience more hesitancy from teachers who've been teaching a long time, um, to ask that question than teachers who, you know, are very new. Um, cause it can be scary, I think, to think about what that might reveal. And, and then of course, and this is just true for all of us and myself included, like it's, we have a lot of identity built up in our, um, selves as teachers and we have a lot of ego potentially and pride in our knowledge and skill set. And if we ask that question, it feels like I'm too far along for that question. You know, like I'm, I already know I've been teaching, you know, long enough to know what that's about. But I think the truth is, as I said before, it's not a question that has one answer. I mean, you know, it changes over time. And that certainly was the experience for me. It's like my teaching changed. And when I, and I hadn't been asking the right questions. And because I hadn't, I thought that I hated teaching. And if I had not asked myself the right questions, I I don't know what I would be doing right now. I really don't. But it's probably not this, and it would definitely be less fulfilling than this. Sure. So, well, that's a, a tremendous piece of advice for anyone listening, and anyone at any point along their journey, as you said, you know, new newer instructors, experienced instructors. It's always a work in progress as to what what that purpose is. So <clears throat> that's great. Yeah. So um, I do have yeah. one more question, but before I ask sure. you, I just um, I'd love to um, let our listeners know uh, how to connect with you. If there's uh, social media or websites, that type of thing, that we can connect with you. Yeah, well, I mean, definitely skillfulteaching.com is uh, is the website, and um, what I always tell people is like. Just uh, be careful because there's a lot of information. There's a lot of information there. Yeah, uh, so I would encourage, yeah, um, you know, because we we've been, you know, I've been generating content personally, and then as a company, we've been generating con- a lot of content for some years now. So there's the podcast, the Thinking Pilates podcast. There's the blog. There's a lot of, you know, free education. So there's all of that, mm-hmm. and then there's there's our programming. So I think, you know, if you're coming to the website, maybe have some sense of what you're looking for. Um, if you're looking for just you want to get to know me more, you want to get to know my philosophy more, I think the best place to start would be the book. Honestly, I think it gives you a pretty good sense of my, um, you know, perspective. And uh, Sarah, you could, you know, <laughs> say whether you think that's true or not. But yeah, definitely. Um, and then, and then, you know, the free stuff is a great, it's a great way to get to know me. Um, the blog, uh, has some very spicy and interesting stuff on it, um, right now. So that, that would, that would, I think, be, um, you know, if you're looking for some entertainment too, that you could go to the blog. Um, the Thinking Pilates podcast is something I'm really, really proud of, um, that I launched with, um, 
uh, Deborah Colway of the Pilates Center a few years ago. Um, we co-host sometimes, and then I, I do the podcast um, by myself uh, about 50% of the time. So just show up knowing whether or not you are looking to get to know me a little bit more. Um, check out the free stuff. If you feel like you're really ready for something um, that's going to make you know a bigger impact and you want to interact with me directly, I'd say go straight to um, the mentoring tab and look up the 28-day course. You should be able to get there from the homepage and then from the mentoring tab pretty easily. And then if you're looking for something that's, you know, a bigger commitment that you, you know, you're really needing some support and you want community, um, the mentoring program. So if you show up with a little bit of intention, Mm -hmm. it will make the website uh, much more friendly. I mean, it's friendly, but there's a lot there. So there is. You have to carve out some time to explore a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I had a gal, a teacher who just joined the mentoring program when we first spoke. She said, I spent all night reading all the information on the mentoring program. And then after we chatted via email, I went back and I read all of it again. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was thinking, that must have taken you a little while. Yes, definitely. Um, um, but I would like so, to say about your book that um, I read it, and it, I think I read it before I did the 28-day program. It's a phenomenal mm-hmm. um, read. I go back and look at the resources uh, often, and actually I incorporate that into our mentor program. So I've had a lot of people go through it that have found also tremendous value from that book. So I highly recommend Oh, that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a real easy first stepping stone. You know, and, and, and what I like to think of is that the, the flow of the work that we do is you know, starts with the book or some free content like the podcast and then, you know, moves into the 28-day course where you it's a little bit higher commitment and then from there um, moves you into the mentoring program. That's a real nice flow and progression in terms of, you know, level of commitment and just relationship building. So I don't, maybe that will be helpful for folks, but I'm certainly on Facebook. Um, Skillful Teaching has a page um, I do a lot of my communicating of my work through my personal page too, which is just Chantelle Lopez, um, which I think people think is kind of interesting. And uh, I'm always kind of wondering about that myself, but I think it works for me because because of what I said earlier, you know, what I do is if I don't really feel like my work is all that separate at all from who I am. And I like people to know about me and about my life. and. Sure about my kids and, you know, that we were in Vietnam and that I ride a motorcycle and <laughs> all those things. So, um, and the discussion around skillful teaching and teaching in general can often be uh, even more vibrant on my personal page than on the skillful teaching page, which is also very perplexing. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then on Twitter, of course, which uh, is something that I'm not very active on, so maybe not that. Um but definitely the website and um, and Facebook and, and then the book. Great. Yes. I will put links to all of that in the show notes so that people can easily connect with you. Oh, um, thanks. Sure. And then my last question is if you had to <clears throat> boil it down into just a little um, nugget of information, how would you define mindfulness and maybe how do you use it in your life? Um, I think... I would say that mindfulness is really just about mm, being awake. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, being receptive to, um, you know, how you're interacting in the world, noticing, you know, just how, how, you know, what you say and, and what you do and, uh, how people respond to you. I think I would say uh, actually that mindfulness to me is, is about curiosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel like, you know, I was just teaching this really great workshop this weekend, uh, on body rolling and, you know, fascial health. And, um, the foundation of our workshop was, uh, based on, a, a, strangely, a meditation, mm-hmm. uh, practice, a mindfulness practice, uh, blended with a little bit of breath work and actually if you've been exposed to this Sarah um it's a it's a a vipassana technique a seated meditation technique where you're checking in with um body sensations and you're you're simply labeling them pleasant unpleasant or neutral and then you're also checking in to see if your mind state and your thoughts reflect the same uh label so if my body state my physical state is unpleasant is it true that my mind is also unpleasant or is it really more that it's neutral or can my mind state and my thoughts actually be pleasant even though my physical experience is unpleasant? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we talked, we were talking a lot about that and, and it just keeps, I think, coming down to me, I mean, for me, about getting curious, like just being really curious. It's like, oh, man, that, that thing went so well or that was so great or or that interaction with that person was really wonderful and sweet or felt really good like why was that like what's that about or you know or the opposite is true like oh man that really sucked like that just did not go you know as planned or oh man I was you know snarkier than I wanted to be or I was not as kind as I you know wanted to be or you know hope to be like what is that about it's so interesting and to me that's how mindfulness um plays out in my life is just a a curiosity um a constant curiosity yeah the idea of curiosity it's a it's a big one but it's a good one (laughs) yeah 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 for sure well Chantal I think we're out of time but it's been really delightful to learn more about you and hear your story and got lots of really great advice uh, for our listeners. Oh, so I just wanted to say thank you, and I'm very grateful that you um, were willing to join me on the Mindful Movement podcast. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's my pleasure, and I'm, it's been such a joy to work with you and to get to know you and be on your podcast. Super cool. Yes, I'm really grateful. So yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for listening. If you found this episode valuable, share it on social media and be sure to tag Chantil and the Mindful Movement. Keep listening to hear the bonus section where Chantil discusses the Pilates metrics and the skillful teaching library. And then um, this library with the Pilates metrics, that's new to me. I just uh, happened upon that on your website this morning. Yeah. Do you know much about what Pilates metrics? I don't. No, okay, no. well, we can talk a little bit about yeah. it. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's strangely kind of coincidental that the um, the founder and, and co-creator of Pilates Metrics is a friend, okay. uh, somebody that, that I um, went through my second teacher training with in the Bay Area. And, um, you know, I found out about the project early on. It's a, it, so it's an iPad app. Um, that was originally intended to really just bring 
Pilates teachers into the digital age and make tracking and session planning um, much more viable and, you know, make it also easier and kind of, um, um, what would I say, more not only more accessible, but also like um, more accurate for, for teachers to share client information within, you know, within a studio setting. So that was the original intention. And then it has since turned into something much bigger and I think much cooler in terms of the, the long-term impact that it has the potential to make, which is that it is now the app is um, it's iCloud driven. And so that all the data that is collected is de-identified, right? So all of the the personal information gets stripped away mm-hmm. and then what gets collected and then organized in, um, is like how how movement is actually affecting outcome for students. And so the way that the app was designed is, you know, it's, a, it's based on a library of exercises and then within each exercise, it's broken down into, um, you know, level, classical or modern, um, bilateral or balance. And then, you know, we look at like what is the trunk doing in terms of stability and mobility, um, what's being stretched, what's being strengthened. You know, so it's, it's deconstructing each exercise so that it's able to track what the student is working on um, and what the, what the outcomes are. Like if they, you know, you're able to track whether or not they've finished the fundamental series or, a, you know, beginner level work. Have they completed all of the beginner level work on, you know, the mat or the reformer or all pieces of equipment? And then it, it, um, it creates statistics for the student, which allows the student and the teacher then to see like, oh, you know, we've been working on, um, you know, we've kind of touched on, you know, 30 percent uh, core work you know, 70% leg work, 15%, um, you know, extension work. So it's, you're able to track um, how you're working the body. And it, I mean, just so much more than that. But the bottom line is that all of that data then gets collected and can be and will be used in order to really validify the, the outcomes that Pilates is getting in terms of preventative health. Um, injury prevention. So, you know, the, the, the big, the big, the big thing is that it gives us, um, a lot of power in terms of the value of Pilates within the health system. Um, so, yeah, that's what that is. Wow, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> I, it's something that I think this industry definitely needs. Yeah, it's pretty darn cool, you know, and of course it's not going to be the right thing for every teacher. Um, but I think once teachers understand the implications, uh, that they're, they, if they're, if they're hesitant of technology, you know, or going that route, uh, that they'll, that they're likely to come around to it because what it means for us as an industry and, you know, kind of our place in, uh, you know, in the, in the health and wellness community. So it is pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. 